Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is exclusively sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you. And I want to thank our, uh, well, actually, I'll thank you afterwards. First, I'll welcome Peter and Andy from WorldViz, Peter Shula. Schluer. Schluer. Thank mm-hmm. you. I'll get it. I'll get it right. Who's <laughs> no the president. Worries. And Andy Beal, who's CEO and CTO. You've got two jobs. I do. Thanks for having us. And you were a professor out at UCSB, is that right? That's correct. And what was what, what did you teach out I there? I did both grad school there and then went away to MIT for three years and then came back as a... MIT? As a research professor. What did you do at MIT? Back, I landed back here in 2000, but so the three years prior, working on a... It was really the first virtual reality on a, uh, in space, on a space shuttle project. Virtual reality in space. Yeah. Isn't space virtual reality enough? It was, you would think, yeah. So we did all sorts of things from flying on the uh, the KC-135, the AKA the Vomit Comet, to simulate right. weightlessness. We flew the first virtual reality on that flight and then put it on a rocket and flew it into space and did all the uh, trials and tribulations associated with, with that, so... Wow. So you, um, we, we've got so much to talk about. <laughs> gonna, I'm going to be taking lots of notes. So um, it, tell me about WorldViz. You guys have, how long have you been in business here in Santa Barbara? We started the company in 2002. 2002. Mm-hmm. And what was your, what did you start with? What, how long was it before you got your first product out? Um, very much kind of immediately. So um, I um, came over from Germany with our third co-founder Matthias in 2002 we rented an apartment in Isla Vista really yep and um, our plan was to say you know there uh, UCSB has this great virtual reality lab and there were other universities who wanted the same thing and do um, more that of that kind of research in experimental psychology so we thought okay if we can replicate what Andy has built at UCSB quickly enough and sell it we're not going to run out of the little amount of money that we have to survive. And we were able to replicate the first systems within a couple of months and had our first customers after a couple of months and started building minimal revenue to pay our rent in Isla Vista. Right. And we built it up from there. Experiential psychology, was that the roots of this then? Yeah, um, actually experimental psychology is, is, uh, is the field we call it. And my area, the, the fancy term is a visual psychophysics, and so that's visual a, psychophysics. Right. Now um, you'll find out we play a game called buzzword bingo. Okay, good. That's a good one. <laughs> and uh, so it's say a great that cocktail one. party. Yeah. Uh, so term. so people keep track of this at home. So give us that one again. Visual psychophysics. I love that. And so that's a branch of psychophysics, and that psychophysics is basically um, forming the 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 logical connection between the physics of, of the brain and sort of the, the psychology of the brain. And it's kind of the, 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 the dichotomy between the mind and the brain. And you can study the mind, you can study the brain. One's mm. in a sense psychology, one's in a sense neuroscience. Mm. Um, in the computer jargon, you could call that the software versus the hardware. So uh, it's actually a, kind of a, 
important distinction. You could take apart, say, a, a you know, a, a core, uh, a Pentium processor, and still not have any clue that Microsoft Excel has ever run on that chip. Mm. Same mm. can be said mm. about mm. the brain. So, so field of of, uh, of research, and I was involved in um, problems regarding uh, control of locomotion. How do how do people drive a car? How do people mm. fly an airplane? Mm. And trying to trying to solve that problem without applying massive engineering computer um, uh, solutions through GPS or sure, uh, sure. Uh, uh, you know antennas or smart roads, trying to do it as if it's really a human doing it, as if you only had a video camera. So that led to needing better and better displays and more more uh, realistic displays and higher what we call ecological validity. So you aren't just oh, oh. more terms. <laughs> Ecological validity. Wow. I know what both of those words mean, but not together. Okay, ecological (laughs) validity. That's trying to keep your science real inside the laboratory. So trying to um, keep as much richness of the natural world, because that's where animals and humans often excel, Uh, trying to avoid sort of titrating it down to the point that you may not be studying what you're looking for. Uh, You may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. So virtual reality has always held the promise of keeping the stimulus rich, dynamic, um, complex, and yet fully controlled. And that's, control is one of the keys to science, is right, keeping sure. tight control right. over the stimulus. Yeah, talking about a rich stimulus, that's really what got me hooked when really? um, Andy threw me down a pit. Uh, <laughs> I've one, been, I was I in that him. pit exactly. years ago. Yeah, exactly. Keeps so getting better. He had, you know, the, the original version of it, which was a virtual recreation of the lab. So as you put on the 3D goggles, you're back in the same environment that you were just in in reality. But suddenly this the ground opens and there's a virtual pit and you have to walk across across this plank. And as you have experienced yourself, it, you get such a visceral reaction. Very much so. Your knees start shaking, uh, and your kind of the cognitive part of your brain goes out the window, and you get that very scared reaction. And I figured, wow, this is a really powerful stimulus, and uh, this has the chance to be kind of the next big medium that lets us interact with the computer world so much more naturally. It's kind of the ultimate human-machine interface. And that got me really fascinated, saying, okay, we, we can build a business out of this. So your background is in music, is that right? Music it, and journalism. It is. I was trained as a classical concert pianist. Really? In Munich and in London, yeah. And then subsequently I was a music journalist in Munich. And at that time I reconnected with my old high school friend, Matthias, who at the time worked at McKinsey Consulting Company. Mm. And he had met Andy before studying um, psychology. He did a double major in psychology and um, material science. And that's how all of the three of us kind of connected. Right. And I uh, came to Santa Barbara to visit my old high school friend, met Andy. And then the three of us had this crazy idea, let's build a business. So when you started in 2002, so you, you go from the, from the lab and the academic into the corporate world right. and start having to figure out how to make this applied. And I think you said the ecological validity. Now there's the economic validity of that as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you felt that there was an opportunity to go and 
I think, clone this kind of research environment out in other universities, correct? Exactly. To, um, you know, the value proposition on the business side, side was really what Andy had proven, um, that it is a very powerful research tool that lets you do groundbreaking research in um, studying how humans navigate in 3D space. Um, specifically, and so we, we sold to other psychology um, departments and then later on expanded to you know, computer science departments, com uh, communication departments, uh, engineering departments. And then over the years, kind of becoming more serious in around 2008, um, selling into Fortune 500 companies with, uh, you know, design visualization, uh, and training um, use cases. So tell me, uh, I, I want to get into that area because mm -hmm. having been around computer graphics as long as I was, there's that that initial um, invention and discovery and figuring out things, and then there's the application stage, right? Now, okay, now we've kind of figured out the, the core science. Now let's go and do, I mean, I never imagined when we did Maya that, you would have the kind of movies that you have mm -hmm. today. I just never imagined that. So let's fast forward from 2002 to today. What's the biggest surprise in how your technology has been applied where you come back to the office and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea they could do that or they would do that? <clears throat> Good question, biggest surprise. Um, In some ways, it's it's uh, how how few people still today have have experienced uh, a presence. We get we get still the majority of people to come to visit us just blown away by being able to walk through uh, space one to one scale. So in some ways, that's 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 been around since um, even before I met Peter uh, in the ninety fours, nineteen ninety four. We had that ability. Um, but the, the, the level and how, how, how visceral and how quickly uh, people can be sort of teleported into a, a very effective uh, sense of immersion and presence has, has continued to go up year after year. And it's, it, it's at a point now where within a second or two that you put on a, a headset with the, the way the tracking and latency is, is handled today and the visual fidelity, you are, you are sucked away. You're there. Um, you don't have a chance to really uh, withhold it anymore. Uh, and if we want to place you on top of the pit or on top of a, a hospital skyscraper that's being uh, evaluated by a construction firm or underneath the engine of a aircraft for training purposes, yeah, you're you're there and your gut's telling you. And, and it's and that's that's one of the powerful things that's happening right now is I mean you can apply that to some entertainment, but you can also apply it to incredibly effective training. You 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 have captured your subject, you, the, the trainee is there, is feeling the danger mm. if it's a high mm. risk situation, is feeling the immensity of the, of the machinery or the intricacy of the, of the process. Training is, is the big one, especially with, um, the, as you said, the complexity, but you said the danger. What, mm. Give me an example of a dangerous situation that you would train for. Working at heights. Working uh, at heights. Yeah, so on an oil rig. So okay. sometimes that involves taking a position up high to, to do some of the alignment of the, of the piping or the fittings. You're, you're controlling it through a hand controller, but you're still moving up to a higher position. 
um, machinery that if you don't pay attention, like you start texting on your phone, you could lose a limb. <laughs> so we've actually yeah. um, dealt with uh, using, uh, and, the, and the term in the literature is a doppelganger. So you can make an avatar of yourself. Right. And you see yourself undergo something that you might not ever want to happen to yourself, like a loss of a limb or... Oh, my gosh. And it's actually... Um, uh, there's a researcher up at Stanford, Jeremy Balenson, who's done some really, really interesting and provocative work on looking at how, as you witness a doppelganger undergoing health changes or uh, even weight loss or weight gain, it can have drastic effects on your your immediate uh, life and, and personal behaviors. So that's that's a, that's a fallout wow. of VR that has just come out in the last few years that you know was was rather surprising interesting correlation to um, I'm in a martial artist and mm -hmm. one of the things we focus on is visualization and mm -hmm. so as we're getting ready for a test we actually will you know close our eyes and meditate on that entire test and see yourself going through the whole test so now I don't have to imagine myself in some future state I can put on the goggles or be in a room now, you guys I noticed you just announced yesterday that you are working with Tilburg University in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And now, there, now, I'm looking at this picture. Um, you can get it on your website. But there's this picture. I'm in a room, so I'm familiar with, we would call it a cave. Mm -hmm. uh, they used to call them caves. I don't know what they call them anymore. So call them caves. And so for our listener, that's a room where you've got the environment projected on the four walls. So I'm not wearing any glasses. Yet in this picture, they're all wearing glasses. So what's the, tell me how that works. Do they need to have the projection on the wall? So caves, um, and that's actually a trademark term. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Um, so um, it, it, it refers to a class of uh, virtual reality where you're, you're using projection surfaces, external surfaces. Right. And it's, it's far different than like an IMAX 3D movie because you're tracking the head. So it's immersive in the sense that when you move your head, if you squat down to look underneath the table, the, the computer graphics are changing 60 times a second in, right. in stereo, and you, you're now underneath the table. You can, you can, in a cave, crawl under that table. if you Really? Will. Yes. Uh, so much like when you're wearing the, the head mount display goggles, you, you get this sense of really able to move around the mm. objects. Mm. But... Um, you do need to wear a pair of uh, shutter glasses of some sort or polarizing glasses, just like in an IMAX theater. So uh, that's how you get that kind of you know popping out of the screen effect. Oh, got it. That makes sense. Let's go very quickly back to that doppelganger um, mm. uh, topic and what you said you're doing visualization in your martial arts. Um, uh, I think that's going to be a really a powerful application of virtual reality where uh, Jeremy Balenson, who Andy just mentioned, who is a professor uh, at Stanford and is doing communication research. Um, one of my favorite examples is when you uh, experience um, your own avatar, we can age your own avatar. No. Yeah. So if you meet yourself, let's say at the age of 80, and you have had that experience, statistically your inclination to put money into a savings account doubles. What? So your judgment about important stuff, life planning, behavior, your values can change because it is a type of visualization that is really powerful and creates a memory. 
So uh, Jeremy Balanson is looking at, you know, how can we make people behave better, be better people? How can we make the world a better place sure. uh, by using virtual reality? And there are some very powerful ways of doing that. And I think all the things we want to do in life, we want to perform better, we want to be more successful when we're dating, we want to be better at public speaking, sure. we want to sure. be more motivated, uh, we want to be able to work harder. All those things, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, ways of applications where kind of types of visualization through virtual reality will change our behaviors. So let's stay with that for a second. So from psychology point of view, we, I'm familiar with regression. Mm -hmm. So I'll sit down and will take me back to when I was a little kid and there might have been some event that happened that triggered something. So you're now talking about, I'll say, progression, mm -hmm. right? Which is, okay, now it's my 20-year future self and I can see I'm still fit, mm -hmm. I'm still lean. Or I could see myself um, on a podium in front of 10,000 people or mm -hmm. any of these future states I want to get to. And you're suggesting that that has a profound, it, it has a profound effect. I know it, I know visualization works because mm -hmm. if I think about something, the muscle memory is there as if I had actually done that. Right. You're proving what, what this researcher is proving is that when I can see that in virtual reality, it actually compounds that it's more than seeing it's really experiencing oh it's experience yeah. oh right right because you guys would put me in the environment so now mm -hmm. i'm i can walk around as that 80 year old and see my great-grandchildren and that kind of thing yeah for you come out of it with a memory of it you've been there you've done uh, it yeah i think your term visualization is actually quite good um and you know, or or i really like the um from the matrix the term they use the construct the mental construct sure and you can achieve that and uh, uh, you know, I often will explain this when I talk about VR um, in general. You can achieve that from reading a book. So, uh, sure, uh, you know, a sure. good like Stephen King novel, if sure. you will. Uh, it might take a couple hours. It might take a couple of evenings. You are creating a virtual reality mentally. It's not through visual stimulus and not by watching anything, but you can alter your reality. You'll start to hear things in your house late at night. Uh oh, right? <laughs> you'll, down that book. You'll start to. <laughs> attribute things and it, it's changing your behavior it's changing how you're perceiving the world you go to a movie um you're not interacting in that um in today's right. movies yet but a really good director can get you somewhere else in matter of 15 minutes right oh absolutely um so you you and your practice um with martial arts i expect that you know if you, if you do a good solid meditation you can get yourself somewhere else uh, in minutes or tens sure. of minutes something like that VR is just like turning the volume up to 11. It's you are you are manipulating somebody. You're you're throwing somebody into a, as uh, as uh, vivid of a daydream or hallucination as you can really imagine. And it's only getting more and more that way. So so and and the and the difference between that uh, VR and a daydream if you will is um, me as the programmer, uh, I have control over what I'm doing to your dream, right? So I can put it to all sorts of uses and it like the one that Peter was just describing, you know. I could cast you into what you look like 20 years from now um, and make you look in the way I want you to uh, to alter your behavior. And it raises a lot of... Um, uh, uh, are we going to uh, get into ethics here? Well, if you want to, we can. There are, <laughs> there are some good ethical questions. Um, and we've been involved in research. Um, look, at, look at just decision-making, and, and fairly benign. But, but if I make an avatar 
that has a blend of, of your face in it. It's actually been shown um, by the same researcher Peter was talking about, Jeremy Balenson and some others, that that avatar is more persuasive in a significant way. Wow. So and you have a news speaker who's reading the news to you and we blend 10% of your own face into it, you're going to be much more likely to believe what they're saying. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you That's imagine how social media scary there, there right? <laughs> 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 yep. Wow. So let's let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that that we're really interested in our 805 conversations are like the person listening is probably a small to medium-sized business. That's mm -hmm. pretty much what we have in this region. Um, and the technology has gotten affordable enough for those small businesses, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How far into the future is it where, um, you know, a small business here in the region, maybe a manufacturing company or a, a training company, could start adopting these tools? I mean, are, are we at the point yet where it's affordable to work into the general business? Not the Fortune 500, but the Fortune 50,000. Yeah, we made um, huge leaps and bounds um, in, in uh, the last two, three years mm. in that regard, in that hardware costs have come down dramatically. Uh, look at the uh, 3D goggles. They used to sure. cost around $40,000. They came really? down by a factor of 100. We're now at $400. You can buy a Samsung Gear VR at Best Buy and put in your, your Samsung phone. And you have a virtual reality display. Uh, so we're coming very close to our, um, I've, I just read yesterday again about you know a high-end uh, mansion um, being marketed through uh, 360 video virtual reality really? experience <laughs> where um, potential buyers, rather than looking on their laptop, they would you know, pop on the 3D goggles and have a kind of walkthrough experience of that mansion. So I think it's interesting that real estate continues to be one of the, like on the leading edge of technology. Mm -hmm. You don't think of that really, but mm -hmm. they were the first ones to do photo tours and mm -hmm. now it's photo VR and now you're saying I can plug in my headset mm -hmm. and do that as well. And, and what kind of equipment do you need to create that environment? Because I know with, with WorldViz, you, you're a software and hardware, and you're an integrator of things. Mm -hmm. So let's just stay with real estate, because there's lots of beautiful mansions here mm -hmm. uh, for sale. How does, how does a realtor actually do that? Right now, that realtor um, could take advantage of some... Uh, handheld uh, 3D scanning products that are just handheld 3D scanner. So yeah. like lidar, um, I went buzzword bingo on us there, Patrick. So <laughs> more like lidar Microsoft Connect style. Um, okay. These, these sensors that that have tried to make it big in the game industry and really haven't. Right. Um, right. They're they're sophisticated enough technology and kind of the price point is you know in the couple hundred dollar range that they're they're getting added to to um, tablets and laptops. Intel did a, a major splash uh, last year with, with um, a Kinect-type technology that has already been uh, added to small laptops. Like so explain what Kinect is to someone who's listening and may not know what that is. Yeah, so Kinect is a, a sensor that Microsoft um, released with their Xbox system several years ago that basically captures your body. It captures your motion and the shape of your body so that you could 
you could jump in the game, they would say, and you sure. could use your hand and your feet to kick, uh, you know, play soccer or to, to run around on a, and paddle a boat or something like that. Um, it works. It actually works from a scientific point of view. It's really a fantastic sen- sensor. From a game point of view, it just hasn't taken off. Mm. And Microsoft kind of kind of fell on their face a little bit with the Xbox One and requiring that control, the, uh, the new controller, the Kinect 2, which is actually, from a virtual reality point of view, a just fantastic uh, sensing device. So people are just starting to really tap into that for the kinds of applications. Like here with real estate, you can actually slap one of those onto a, on a tablet and this is this is where some of the the new developments have occurred. That's allowed developers to take that combination of a tablet and one of these sensors, walk around a house, and you can scan and in that scan house. the house. And so what you've done you've, is you've you, you've you don't achieve quite the quality as is with the 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 term that you just mentioned lidar, uh, yeah, lidar, sure. yeah. But you're doing it yourself. It's a five thousand dollar device instead of a fifty or one hundred fifty thousand dollar device. It's not taking days. It's taking an hour. So, so is that a business opportunity for a production company that's been servicing realtors? You know what, what it's going to be is, yes, uh, mm-hmm. as when um, QuickTime VR and those sure, similar things sure, first came sure. out, there were little production companies yeah. that would service that market. I think we're going to see exactly that here. And that's, that's you know, the good and bad of that is I think that's still going to be a necessary component for the next year or two to, to provide that to the realtors because it's, it's a device that they may not, they don't know about yet. They may not be ready to invest that $5,000. That's an expensive camera, sure. right? Um, but I think we'll see people jumping in to fill that need, and then they can provide that realtor, and this is where we can come in, provide that realtor with, with the software that will read that data without being an expert at all, and then to play it in any headset you like. And that's in the category that Peter was just talking about, these $400 headsets. And so. Let's move it out of real estate for a second. So if I've got a, a man, I met with a, a guy yesterday who's got a light manufacturing business in mm-hmm. town, and if he's wanting to do training for that, he could kind of scan the whole process, if you would, because you've got to cr- create these three-dimensional models yeah, some way, yeah. right? So exactly, you can scan that process or or build it up in, in SketchUp. Oh, sure. Um, so both of those. Easiest the, modeler on the planet. Oh, it's uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so those two are, are – and SketchUp is actually quite accessible, I think, to anybody uh, who just jumps on Trimble's website, downloads, and watches the videos. It's crazy um, easy. Exactly. Yeah. So, And combining those two data sources is just also crazy easy. So um, it is – in the realm of something that you're not hiring a, 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 a student right out of college that's already been trained in all these tools right. yet, but that's that is changing really. We're fast. getting there. So, it, mm-hmm. can I jump in real quick with a, uh, a couple questions about these are these are all like industrial applications for this, and where do do you guys have a vision for how this would exist? As you were saying with the Connect, uh, you know, my brother just walked into his, his son's. Uh, uh, playroom and and the the computer just said hello Kelly, you know because it re- it does that that facial recognition. Yeah. So is the is that the the because industrial is fine. Of course the uh, various industries are going to to begin to adopt this great technology. But are we going to begin a- in our homes to interface with uh, going to work instead of going to work? We're headsetting or instead of um, mm. you know how are mm. we interacting when we have a family reunion? We're not going there anymore. Is that the ultimate uh, utopian vision for this? As as you both smile at me like like of course we're going to take over the world. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you see that, you know, kind of the, the, um, the match that lit the fire uh, to bring virtual reality to consumer technology is gaming. Sure. So that's the obvious application to, for gamers to immerse themselves um, in games and have that, you know, uh, overdrive level 11, as Andy says, uh, experience in gaming. And I think where, we where we'll go from there, expanding in the consumer and entertainment arena is, uh, is you know, Facebook made the big acquisition of, of um, Oculus for $2 billion. They're looking into bringing Facebook to a virtual reality where we can see each other as avatars and interact. So, you know, we went from from text to photos to videos, and the next level of that would be virtual reality. Um, and then uh, in the whole entertainment arena, in the movie industry in Hollywood, if you go to Digital Hollywood uh, Conference right now, you'll see billions of dollars uh, and lots of experiments m being made, uh, lots of money invested in looking at how is this new medium going to be adopted in the movie industry? Uh, virtual reality movies are being made, and it's really reinventing the whole medium from scratch because you have to kind of do storytelling in a whole different way. You're going to get sick if you do all our fast-moving races and sure. explosions, so sure. it's going to be a much more narrative type of medium. Um, and um, so those are things that are, are going to happen in that huge multi-trillion um, uh, dollar um, arena of uh, entertainment. So back to what Patrick was saying, like <laughs> the, the well, vision of of not having to go to the reunion is is quite appealing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we've all felt it. Yeah. I just, I mean that that like you know, um, I've been want. There's a lot of retro um, tech happening uh, on TV right now where they're talking about this kind of uh, beginning of the interface with the internet in the mm -hmm. '80s and and how this this idea of like having a terminal with a QWERTY keyboard in front of you uh, has become so you know, common now, but at, at one point, that was a big hard sell to say to somebody, hey, this is how you're going to interact with work. This mm -hmm. is what your work is going to look like. It's no longer going to be face-to-face -face interactions. And so I, I guess that's my, my I, I'm so excited to hear that, like, well, you know, what's my future? What are my grandkids going to be playing with? Because clearly they're not going to have a laptop. That's absurd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I have an 11 and 9-year-old, and I purposely kept my my first child away from a keyboard uh, um, because the that was the tough for an MIT iPad, guy. Huh? Well, the iPad was announced right, uh. and two years before, and I wanted his first experience on a on a compute device to be grounded in 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 what I was buying into is going to be the power of the touch interface, something right. something other than the QWERTY keyboard. I right. just thought would that would be a neat first of life standard. And to how's be that working out? Oh, he's going. Crazy. He's, yeah, fantastic. What's he do he when you give him a real book? <laughs> Which is a Kindle. He <laughs> <laughs> reads voraciously. Oh, great. Oh, he is just a ridiculous reader. I, and, I've heard yeah. stories of they go to a book and they just swipe across the page expecting the page well, to well, move. And it does. It does move. And you can double tap a word. And it I mean, in a up. real book. But <laughs> 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 I'm showing my old school right now. Put it away, man. But, you know, on the, on the, on the topic of you know, these getting in the home. I, I think, um, and I think some of the, some, some of where Facebook may be headed with this is, is the social connectedness. And, you know, that's in, we were talking about caves earlier and that's, that's a, 
in our trade, you know, you do headsets or you do a cave. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we do both. And some customers prefer one or the other. And actually, in, in architecture and construction, there's a big preference for caves. And that's because you're often oh. in there with artists or designers and you're doing a review and you need to look over and you need to have full access to that person's body language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a headset, it's, it's more optimal for really being able to look up inside of an aircraft and straight down and, and really stick your head somewhere, but you're more isolated. Um, now, that's not to say that, that some of the most compelling um, simulations I've ever experienced in, the, in recent years and even ones that I did back in, in the late 90s was, uh, was connecting two or three or four people together simultaneously in an interactive uh, virtual reality session with a headset where the other person is in another room or another building and it takes very little for you to feel like you're right next to that person and you don't, um, you're not going to walk through their avatar because that's a person there. They have sure. presence. And, um, and so I think, you know, for you to be able to skip the reunion, maybe you do or don't want that level of presence, but, but for things that you're trying to still achieve, I think um, the, the, uh, the virtual meeting sense, getting those um, connectedness cues is, is going to be critical. And I think a lot of that, some of it's going to have to do with the, the right acoustics, some is going to have to do with the right haptics. Um, even something as simple as what, you know. Explain like haptics the, quickly. Uh, being able to touch something. So, um, you know, the, uh, the Apple Watch, one of the things that it is allowing you to do is just to tap someone, you know, that's on your, on your uh, uh, you know, favorites list, right? And I, I've seen demonstrations. So you tap your f- watch and it taps them it taps yeah you can i can tap my well my wife had one i could just <laughs> tap do a double tap or a triple tap or something and she'll feel that exact same thing happen wow. and you know that that aspect when you just add a little bit of haptics a little bit of touch to a virtual world it amplifies mm. the, the overall effect well because we're taking in so we've got you know our five senses so you've exactly. just added another when you mm-hmm. just trigger very primal sense. senses yeah so auditory is really adds so much. The, um, the back to the pit, the the classic example that we love to show people, which is having them walk across a wooden plank or a metal I hated plank. It. Everybody <laughs> yeah, goes crazy on it, good or bad. But if you put down a, a very thin piece of wood that matches to the visual plank that you see, so they feel it. You can feel it with your shoe, right? You feel a little uh, bit of an edge there, uh, and that doubles the effect. Hmm. And that's sometimes way too much for people. Hmm. Wow. So, it, I'm going to switch gears again. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing, com- was doing computer graphics, started in 1984. A couple years later, VRML, which was the virtual reality markup language, came out. And, you know, it was the promise. So that's 84. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the promise of these virtual worlds, I'm thinking of Second Life. I'm thinking of games. I'm thinking of all of this technology, but it still hasn't hit mainstream. Now, yeah. $2 billion purchase by Facebook that is a harbinger of something to come. The fact that you guys are, you know, in this to win it and you've, you know, you're figuring out all these things, but it's still not ubiquitous. It's not, mm-hmm. I can go and yeah. as a business person, think about, oh, that's a solution for me. Mm-hmm. What are the barriers to that? Because there's been a lot of promises and I've been one of the ones making those promises back in the day. What's different now? Well, a lot of barriers are being knocked down. It's the um, pr- 
price to quality uh, ratio of visual displays where we have much higher resolution, a better field of view, a higher frame rate, all of that, that, that you have a real natural high quality uh, visual experience. So that's been happening. You can get a really high quality headset for under $400. Then another one that's being knocked down is motion tracking. That you can have affordable, really powerful, real-time motion tracking where your the position that's of your that's the connect that connect piece we were talking yes, about. things like yeah, that. you need what we like call that. six degrees of freedom motion tracking, sure. where your position X Y Z and then your orientation, yaw pitch roll are all seamlessly tracked, so you can naturally interact with in the real environment time. in real time. You look around. Or you, you move your hand around and uh, it's 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 there without any delay, which is extremely important. If there is even minimal delay, um, your immersion immersion is is kind of cracked and and motion sickness could occur. So you break rapport. You break rapport with the experience. Yeah, yeah with your own inertia. So you've system. got quality. You've got tracking. Mm-hmm. You said price. Price. Yeah. So all those barriers are are knocked down. Now, another barrier that is not knocked down yet um, mm. and that, that we're seeing is, is content, that you mm. can create content very quickly and easily, be it on the one hand computer simulated content in, uh, you know, 3D design tools. Right. And then bring in reality, what we call reality capture what we touched on before, scanning 3D environments right. or um, stereo surround uh, video, and then to all stream that stuff over the cloud right. Right. Um, and really be able to disseminate it and have stores and platforms where you can have a, a ton of content and kind of find the, the, the killer applications, you know. What, what do you, th- what do you, th- what, what do you what, think it is? What what's going to th- be the killer game? What's going to be the killer social You can experience? tell me off the air. No one's listening. Uh, so. There we go. <laughs> Some people say, you know, it's going to be things we have to talk about off the air. But w- what is that going to be? That's going to be going to get everybody hooked. It won't be shopping. Won't, <laughs> won't shop- I mean, there was the whole virtual mall idea, and that no. kind of came and went, and... Yeah, I th- and uh, we've seen so many examples of that. Again, following computer graphics all this yeah, time. I don't it's think it's gonna be the shopping channel that's gonna. Well, didn't Back to the Future predicted that you'll be walking down and, and uh, the trailer will play off the side of the movie theater and try to engulf you, you know, in a giant shark bite, right? Mm. Right. I mean, that yeah. concept mm-hmm. of of the overlay of of your real day with with everything else. So that's the augmented reality piece. But see, so you yeah. still we still have to wear. I still have to wear something. Yeah. And right. That is one of the breakthroughs. Is the is the really actually the weight also? So oh. these are so much lighter than oh. than the ones of similar quality. So the comfort actually starts to matter if you're trying to compete with a game that the kids are playing for hours, right? You got to be able. To or if I'm using thing. it to work, as Patrick was saying earlier. I mean, that's. Yep. Th- I would love to. I I'm a collaborator. I love mm-hmm. collaborating, but we tend to be isolated and work by ourselves. I would love to be, I would throw the glasses on for an hour and have, a, if I could workshop with some, well, if three or four people or 10 people, but we didn't have to travel, you could go find the very best person to help you solve a problem. How awesome would that be? Well, we should try redoing mm-hmm. this podcast all wearing the goggles and what. Your guys, you guys are wel- welcome back to <laughs> right. do that. What, what's the, um, what is it that, because 
this may this idea of VR, people have uh, heard about it through games and they've seen it. It's got, getting a lot of press. What do people not know about what you're doing? What you could do? What this could do? What do they? Let's be aspirational for a second. You mean because they're looking at it from just they just the don't game know. Point they're, of view right yeah, now? they just don't know. It's like let's let's give them something to to chew on a little bit because we're getting towards the end. I'd like that to leave them with a thought that um, we'll stick with them for a few days. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that's maybe a little bit mundane, but it's in our expertise, is really how uh, powerful virtual reality uh, can be in. Um, prototyping in any product any mm. anything mm. that you can touch that's being built you know that's really what drives our whole economy we're building products we're building cars airplanes we're building hospitals etc and that's a hugely complex cumbersome process yes, the whole product life cycle management making up a product product designing it in uh, in on your computer and then getting the product the physical prototype out and getting it into production uh, analyzing the human factors, the manufacturability of it, and how you're going to dispose of it. And virtual reality um, plugs in uh, a lot of uh, different sections of product lifecycle management. And that's kind of what uh, our value proposition to Fortune 500 companies is you know, Lockheed Martin. Um, Turner Construction building hospitals, Rockwell Collins building boxes that go into airplanes. There's huge value add in virtual reality. That's something that's kind of being overlooked because we're talking about gaming and virtual reality and social. Uh, it's it's so powerful for for all of that and is really going to change our economy and, and get that famous time to market sure. really shortened and and provide huge value in industry. And I would add the experience side of that that I think is really underappreciated right now is being able to walk. When you are able to walk around that aircraft or walk around that car model and not as most, e- even today, as, as popular as VR is getting, it's still a very small fraction of people that have experienced it today. Right, right. And 99.9% of those today that are on this new surge are experiencing it in their seat. It's seated VR, and you're you're moving, you're traveling by a keyboard or, or a gamepad. What happens when you walk around that physically really is like the holodeck you see on Star Trek. You really are able to reach out and touch that, and you want to sit on that chair. You don't want to walk through that car. It, it's it's a phenomenologically just you know really superior experience, and, and that's, that's just right. starting to get experienced by some of the providers in, in VRs, uh, letting you get out of the seat. And that very same power we talked about when you have an experience that's like a visualization, like a meditation, and it creates that memory. That's exactly the value proposition, why you can make so much better informed decisions, get consensus on a design, move it forward into the next phase more quickly, and be able to trust your judgment that it is going to be serviceable, it is going to be manufacturable and disposable, and all those things that you need to know ahead of time, and you don't want to go through uh, many prototype phases. Peter, that is a perfect wrap-up. That was fantastic. That's, I, I love this idea of creating memories. That That is, is what's going to stick with me mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, and you touched on the whole area of, we, we used to call it pre-visualization, right? Mm-hmm. What's that product going to look like? And now if I can actually 
be in a more immersive environment and not on the 2D screen, which we did with Wavefront, but now I'm actually interacting in the real world. Mm. Well, guys, thank you so much. I, Mark, I really thank you appreciate so much for having thank us. you both. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you being a part of the 805 and uh, you know contributing. And so if people want to learn more about what you're doing and to contact you to see if possibly what you're doing could help their business, how do they find you? Worldbiz.com. Yeah, worldbiz.com or just Google virtual reality Santa Barbara. You're going to find and you, us. And you yeah. come first in the list. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys. And um, now we get to name this episode. This is a new thing, Patrick. Oh, I'm ready. Go ahead. We're naming this episode. So what mm. should we name this episode? Um, hmm. Not your uh, mama's then, then VR. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe a very you know, kind of esoteric. The next frontier of human-computer interaction. I'll get that down to three <laughs> words, but I like <laughs> okay. that. I like. I kind of like seeing your future, or how VR touches business. Um, we'll come up with a good one. Thank you guys so much. So thank we want to thanks again to California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. And our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great show. And local company, Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect Project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We thank them as well. More information at 805connect.com slash partners. Remember, those of you who are listening this far to the very end, uh, we can use your support. So please give us a review on iTunes and leave a comment of what you liked best about this episode. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm-hmm.